The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, presented by Yahoo DFS. As you can tell, this is James Anderson. Clay Link is on a well-deserved vacation right now. I have a very special guest joining me today. Uh, first, I just want to give a shout out to friend of the pod, Jory. He's on Twitter at 78AllStar. He's the one that made the new artwork for the podcast, which I think is a, a great addition uh, to the Prospect Podcast. So thanks again, Jory. Uh, anyone that's looking for graphic design stuff, whether it's just kind of something for their fantasy team or something for their business, hit him up at 78AllStar on Twitter and he will take care of you. Um, but I want to welcome in uh, my good friend and uh, Rotowire contributor, Dynasty Pros- or Dynasty Rankings guru, uh, Ian Kahn, uh, welcome to the show, Ian. How you doing? Uh, thanks, bud. I'm great. I mean, we've been talking about doing a podcast together now for almost two years, so I'm really, really psyched that we get to do it. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. I mean, we, we've yeah. <laughs> we've spoken on the phone for for hours and hours and hours, and yeah. uh, we've still never met face to face, but we've become really good friends it's from true. co-owning the team in the Roadwire Dynasty Invitational and. Uh, I mean, we, we talk about non-baseball stuff and we, um, bounce ideas off each other for, for just leagues that we're not in together. So, um, this has been something that probably should have happened a long time ago, but I'm just so swamped with stuff that 
uh, haven't been able to make it happen. But Clay Link finally took a vacation. I mean, I feel like there's there's a lot of people (laughs) at Rotowire that probably take too many vacations. I'm probably one of those people. But uh, Clay Link never takes vacation. I'm just... uh, Happy for him that he, he was able to get away. Uh, he needs to go away for a little while and uh, just sort of relax from all of his genius uh, play this season in fantasy baseball because it's just absurd. He's just absurd. Yeah, he's he's a monster. I oh. I don't want to do any kind of jinxing him on, on Twitter or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, if, if he were to pull off the feat of winning uh, TGFBI again, back-to-back years. Again. Doing it again, right. and then in Tout Wars, um, where I play with him in the in the head to head points league, uh, he is he is running away with it. And Jake Silly and I have been battling for second place and third place all season with with Clay just like so many so many games ahead. And the only hope we have is that it's going to you know we get to the playoffs and and then anything can happen in a week. But boy, man, I mean, he's just a beast. The boy is the man is a beast. yes he is oh my god and the nicest guy in the world and he just kicks everybody's butt constantly so i I feel like uh i feel like he's mike trout and i'm cole calhoun just sort of hoping to to hang around in in the same outfield next yeah right all right okay all right all right champ i hear you all right well we we got to get into i mean there's just so much to break down as is typically the case the final like 15 minutes of the trade deadline was uh, just a, a crazy storm of news and, and a lot of surprises happened throughout the day. Uh, but I, I want to start with the trade that I thought was the most interesting trade. And my, my favorite trades are when just two guys you didn't even know were available get flipped. And, and when they're both prospects, and they're both good prospects. They mm-hmm. both get flipped for one another. Yeah. And that was when the Diamondbacks sent Jazz Chisholm, a uh, shortstop prospect, to the Marlins in exchange for Zach Gallen. Uh, what is your sort of general reaction to that trade? I know you've been a, a Zach Gallen believer for a while. Um, yeah. What, what were your thoughts on that one? I mean, it, it makes a certain amount of sense, I guess. Um, but Gallen was so awesome the other night and he, he's really shown that he belonged. I just saw an interview with him where he just looked like just shell shocked. I mean, he couldn't believe and he was, you know, saying all the right things and grateful to the Marlins and excited for what's to come. But I mean, it, he, he just, he just looks shocked as all hell. Uh, it's an amazing rise for Gallon. The idea that he could be moved for Chisholm, uh, and but I, I'm actually I'm sure everyone's more interested in hearing what you have to say about both these guys. I had saw on Twitter that you had said that you had them like next to each other on the list. So what what do you think? Yeah, you know it's it's a fascinating trade because on the one hand you've got this pitcher who clearly is a capable big league starter. I feel comfortable saying that yep. through seven starts. He's he's a guy who's had success against some of the best lineups in baseball. Uh, I, I love the way that he attacks guys. I love the pitch mix. I mean, the mm-hmm. changeup specifically, like when he, I mean, he, he gets some really, really good big league hitters uh, just completely fooled on that changeup. And uh, so I'm, I'm really confident in his ability to be, you know, not a ace necessarily, but kind of a a guy who could be a good second or third starter on a pretty good mm-hmm. team. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the type of guy where I would feel fine handing him the ball in a in a playoff series. Um, so, I mean, that on the one hand, you've got that, which is a really tough commodity to to get your hands on in baseball, and then on the other hand, you've got kind of the exact opposite of that: a position player with just a crazy high ceiling, power and speed. Uh, it's going to stick at shortstop. No question about that. 
He's got a ton of swing and miss issues. Uh, that's been the case even when he had success last year, kind of in the lower levels. He was still striking out a ton. And this year, I think he's kind of fallen in love with the home run ball a little too much. You can kind of see that he's uh, not hitting as many line drives. He's trying to hit everything uh, way up in the air and, and take it out. And I think that's kind of led to uh, his struggles in the batting average department. So I feel like you've got as close to sort of a sure thing as a pitching prospect can be in, in Zach Gallen versus a guy where, I mean, he might not even amount like Jazz Chisholm, like his floor is just not a big league player really yeah. I mean, that that's how low his floor is but then the ceiling is you know he he puts everything together and he's like trevor story or something like that so yeah. i think it's it's, it's a, a fascinating, fascinating trade deal. it's a fascinating trade and if we'd thought about this in in like february the idea that this guy zach gallon who was really an afterthought in the system until spring training when he started to show himself uh for, for him to then like move into to, 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 for Chisholm, who was a top 50 prospect, clearly, and we've seen their fortunes sort of shift. It is a surprise, but I mean, my, Miami was dealing from strength. I did see, mm-hmm. as soon as I saw that trade go through, I said, well, Robbie Ray's getting traded. Like that was my first instinct. Cause like the, the diamondbacks are, we're going to replace a pitcher and then for them to, re- to replace him with Granky, uh, you know, to, to have Granky move in the deal. It's, it's, you know, you almost have to look at these two trades in tandem and see, you know, how, how they all work together. Yeah, and I mean that that the the point about the Marlins trading from strength is uh, it's it's surprising, but it's true. I mean, the starting rotation was a strength for them. Uh, I think it's just a big a big swing by them, right? It's, it's a huge it's like swing. how do how do we acquire superstar like five six win talent on the position player side? Well, we I mean, it's really tough to draft and develop those guys, and this is a chance to get a guy like that. I mean, Chisholm's not available if he has the year that I think a lot of people are hoping he would have this year. So it's a, it's a big swing by then, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Let's go right into that. Uh, Zach Granke trade, uh, the Astros. I mean, it was, this was after the deadline. I mean, they obviously got the deal before the deadline, but wow. I mean, what was your, what was your take on that? My first first take as a Yankee fan was this is going to be really, really, really tough to make the world series this year. I mean, with Verlander, Garrett Cole, and now Greinke, one, two, three. I mean, that's, that's like three absolute aces. Uh, it's going to be, they're going to be a, they're going to be monsters to deal with as long as they can all three stay healthy. Uh, and, and I was fascinated by the return. I thought the, the return was, was interesting because the contract is so nasty with Greinke. You know, I mean, there's so much money. It was so expensive. He's going into his later years of this of his career. Um, so I was, I was, uh, I, I actually think it's a pretty fair deal. What did you think? I think it's the type of trade that every fan wishes his team would make. Uh, like, I, I, there's not a fan out there that wouldn't want his team to take on. And and now Arizona is still eating. I think a third of that salary, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's still a lot of money and. You just want your team to be willing to take on that type of salary for a pitcher as good as Granky. Yeah. And I mean, no offense to the prospects in that deal, but for a team like Houston, Seth Beer, Corbin Martin, JB Bukowskis, Josh Rojas, those were all spare parts for them. So I mean, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really affect anything with their their present or their future, in my opinion. I, I think that it was going to be really tough for a guy like Seth Beer to break through given uh, what Jordan Alvarez has become as their designated hitter. I mean, Corbin Martin probably doesn't even pitch in 2020. J.B. Bukowskis has taken a step back this year. Mm-hmm. Rojas is just like a util guy. So 
I, you know, hats off to the, the Astros. Um, but I mean, also hats, I, off, hats off and away to the Diamondbacks because Zach Greinke on the team right now is just taking up a lot of contract space to me because mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere. I mean, they're, they're, their future is interesting, uh, but they're not going to – they're not making a push in 2019. I mean, I guess there was a chance that they were going to find the, uh, the, the second wild card if they just got red hot. But I don't know. I, I kind of I, I kinda like that they kept Robbie Ray. I mean, he's a player that we own – in the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational. And that, that seems like a pretty good building block to hold on to, as opposed to Greinke, who by the time the, the, the Diamondbacks are ready to roll, Greinke's going to really be on the downside. So I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of like it from both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Greinke's pretty durable, but this is a a really good time to cash him out yeah. and just get, make, like, get something for yeah. him, right? Because... Yes. The size of that contract, I mean, if he were to just sort of slip even a little bit in terms of performance or with health, uh, it would have been really, <laughs> there really is tough to get out. Every of that. year that Grinky, the Grinky funeral begins every year. And then every it, spring training. Every spring training. It's, he's throwing 84. He's throwing 85. He's throwing 86. Well, next year he might be throwing 78. You know, so there is, you know, we, we talk about Max Scherzer all the time, right? And we talk about, you know, buying him as Superman. And, and then the chinks in the armor start happening and the value really drops. With Grinky, you know, that value will drop. And, and for the Diamondbacks, you know, if you compare compare it to what the Mets gave up for Stroman, um, you know, the the Mets didn't give up that much for for Stroman. I don't know. I, 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 I like I said, I, I kind of like this trade for both teams. I like this for the Astros for sure to have to add Granke to this team, and um, and I like it for the Diamondbacks. So it's it's okay. You know, it's it's like a solid deal. I honestly think Granke's maybe in my opinion, like one of the coolest baseball players alive, just in the way that he sort of goes about everything and just doesn't care at all about stuff like no hitters. And he'll just go out there and not throw even close to a hundred percent because he doesn't have to, he's just trying to uh, stay healthy and, and he's found ways of getting guys out in just really, really crafty ways. So um He's still good, good to see that he'll he'll get another postseason run for sure. And then the other trade that that I I was curious to hear your thinking about it because Jesus Sanchez is a guy you and I have been talking about. I think we drafted him in RDI last year, um, and then ended up moving him in a deal. So Ryan Stanek and and Sanchez for Trevor Richards and Nick Anderson, who I had just picked up um, in mm-hmm. in Tout Wars on Sunday. I just like stole Nick Anderson for like a really good price, and now he's heading off to the Rays, which is disappointing. But I, that also seems like another interesting trade that could provide value for both squads. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the the Rays are so loaded, just at like top to bottom. I mean, twenty five man rosters loaded. Uh, they're loaded at AAA. They're loaded at AA. Uh, Jesus Sanchez is a top one hundred prospect. I don't think anyone debates that. You have him at forty seven, right? I mean, he's he's in your top fifty. I think I have him lower than that. Let's see. I think I, I have him in the 50 to 60 range, but um, let me see. Uh, yeah, I've met 58. Okay. Um, but, but I actually have him right behind his new uh, org mate, Monty Harrison. But, uh, you know, Jesus Sanchez is the type of guy who's going to have a really hard time breaking through yeah. on that, in that raise outfield. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it absolutely makes sense for both sides. I think the Marlins clearly, wanted to add some uh, high upside position players at the deadline. They, they dealt from their pitching uh, depth to do so. Yeah. And I think that they, 
uh, made out pretty well in terms of, you know, just guys that if they hit, then you have a, a franchise building block. And I think it's a good trade for Jesus Sanchez's uh, Dynasty value. League value. Yes. I don't necessarily think I'm going to bump him up a, a ton because of it, but at least you no longer have to worry about, well, yeah. when are they going to give him a fair chance? Because he was up in AAA and the, and the thought was like, okay, wh- who are you going to sit? <laughs> you know, who, who who is not going to play to get Jesus Sanchez some time? And, uh, and now, I mean, if he can, if he can get rolling at AAA, from Miami, we're going to see, we could even, you could even see him up in August. I mean, in September, it's not impossible that we're going to see him there. And Stanek, you know, I've always watched Stanek because he's been opening for them against the Yankees a number of times and against other teams. He's got great stuff. I wouldn't be shocked to see Stanek go into the, uh, to sharing the closer role as well. I think that that is very possible. I think that people, you know, if you're listening to this and you have time and you can pivot away uh, and get Stanek. I know that everyone was like holding their speculative closer options and and some of those maybe worked out. A lot of them didn't. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a very, very strong possibility that he could get some saves. You know, give, let's give Derek Jeter some credit after we gave him so much hell for so long. Right. <laughs> I mean, and just from a dynasty league perspective, we know that if you're going to be rebuilding your team, which they're clearly doing, you want to do it with bats. You don't want to be doing it with arms. So what did he do? He went and he got rid of his arms. He got some interesting young bats. He's putting together a team. You know, he's a, a, that Caleb Smith trade with Gary. You get Caleb Smith and Garrett Cooper for King and some, you know, money for mm-hmm. Otani. That trade, that, that that's like a, a team-making deal right there. You get two, like, major players for your squad. You're adding Jesus Sanchez. You're, you, things are coming together in Miami. It's it's exciting and fun to watch. Yeah, I think that you you make a really good point about just put yourself in the shoes of the team making the trade. And yeah, I know it, it, if you really like Zach Gallen like we do, it might seem weird that you would trade him right now. But you have to put yourself in the shoes of the the Marlins. I mean, that, there's no guarantee that Zach Gallen's healthy when yeah. they're ready to compete. So that's right. Uh, and I think that, that that really applies to the next trade I want to talk about, just in terms of like eye of the beholder. Uh, this three teamer from last night, uh, which interrupted my my date with my wife where I was just really trying to uh, <laughs> scramble to figure out what was all happening because it was just such a, a fascinating uh, deal but um, you know we're this we're not going to discuss the Scott Mosses and and like Kyle Johnson's of the world on this podcast we'll just get to the the big pieces uh, mm-hmm. the Indians get Framil Reyes yeah. uh, they get Yasiel Puig they get Logan Allen the Reds get Trevor Bauer the Padres get Taylor Trammell uh I don't have a hot take on this trade, but do you do you see like any clear winner or or loser of, of these three teams in this deal? No, I kind of again. I mean, it doesn't feel you know. Sometimes you make trades in dynasty leagues, and you're like, "What the frig is that guy thinking?" Right? You think you get one of the two teams that yep. just gets roasted by the other guy, and you're like, "What are you thinking?" That's a dumb deal. I don't see that here. I mean, to get Trammell in that in that trade for for San Diego to move Reyes to get some value from him. I, I am a little sorry that they moved Logan Allen. Both of us like Logan Allen. I mean, you and I traded for him in the off season with the idea. I mean, I like his stuff. I do. Uh, but Hey, I mean, you get a, a top, I know you're not as high on Tramel as, as, as some other people are, but you get a, a an interesting um, outfield prospect. Who's going to show up, gives you a little bit more time, frees up Manuel Margot for the center field, and Hunter Renfro's got his job now. Will Myers has his job. And, man, they didn't want Trevor Bauer on those Indians no more. You know, what you need that knucklehead for? I, and then, I mean, for his last moment to be that he picks up a ball and throws it over the center field fence, yeah, that's about right. 
That's about right. <laughs> Come on now. So I, I saw this online and I had thought it too, that the last moment for Bauer was throwing a ball over a fence in the middle of a game and Puy getting into a fight with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's great. That was excellent. Yeah. Uh, that the fight happening. Oh my god! <laughs> the Those two uh, teams. We got traded. Oh my god! Uh, that was a that was that was a that was that was a huge. But I mean, my favorite one of my favorite moments of this season or any season was Terry Francona coming out and going, "What the f is wrong with you?" Like right in his face. <laughs> I'm not going to say what he said, but what the f is wrong with you? And Bauer's like, I don't yeah. know. Uh, that was really dumb. He's like, Yeah, that was really dumb. Now, why don't you go into the dugout and apologize to your teammates? <laughs> and he did and he had to he had to eat it and then you know that's the that's his that's gonna be that's gonna be tough for him that his very last moment in cleveland is such an embarrassing moment forget that he gave up five runs to the kansas city Royal. who cares that's not the embarrassing thing that's gonna happen to anybody but for, for him to throw a temper tantrum like that i don't know that's gonna be tough to live down i i want to just i want to talk about it quickly just from the the viewpoint of of all three of these teams uh friend of the pod dan carrado uh hit me up on twitter and he was just he, he couldn't really figure out why the padres would do this and i think you have to separate like framil reyes the uh exciting fantasy player and sort of yeah. fun loving <laughs> uh, right. slugger from the national league ball player framil reyes i mean he was he was a spare piece for them mm-hmm. and it, it was partly because of their own doing with that stupid will myers contract but like they you know they had uh, not enough spots for for the amount of guys that deserved to be playing. So Reyes was a spare piece. Logan Allen was a spare piece. I mean, he'd kind of gotten squeezed out of uh, getting starts. Uh, got kind of fell behind some of the other young arms in that system. Um, and then so you turn those two spare pieces into Taylor Trammell. And you know, I even me who's who's pretty low on Trammell, like. I'm fine with that move for them because it's a high upside player into your system. He's not taking up a 25 man roster spot or a man roster spot either. Right? No. And if it hits, like if, if he ends up maxing out, then you win that trade. If, if he doesn't, it's really no skin off your back. I mean, it's not going to be the end of the world for the Padres. If, if Taylor Trammell doesn't uh, reach his ceiling. One of my favorite moments in the off season was the podcast you did with clay where you were going over the reds uh, system and you were just like, nah, Tramel, it's not going to, it's not going to go. And he's like, what do you mean, man? It's (laughs) Are you serious? So it's too bad that clay's not here because I would love to hear his, his opinion. But look, for me, for the reds, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. It really does. You're getting rid of Puig who you're not going to keep and you're selling Tramel and you're getting an ace. I mean, if, if, Bauer's settled and Bauer's ready to go. He's a great pitcher. I didn't want him in New York because I thought he would just start a civil war in that clubhouse. But, um, you know, they're trading one headache for another, getting rid of Puig and getting Bauer. But, you know, there's nothing there's nothing more fun to me uh, from a baseball fan standpoint than when your team trades for an ace or a borderline ace. And and I think, you know, Zach Granke's that Trevor Bauer. I know there's been a lot of hand wringing about, well, like it hasn't been that good this year, but. Uh, I mean, he was an absolute ace last year when the balls weren't juiced. I mean, we don't necessarily know if the balls are still going to be juiced next year. And uh, I mean, that's a that's a very formidable front of that rotation yeah, that they show sure. into next year. With. Castillo, and Bauer, think, and 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 Sonny Gray. I mean, that's a good top three right there. Yeah, I, I think we really need to praise the teams that are willing to trade prospect capital for players that are going to really make an impact. Uh, at the big league level and i mean these guys are getting traded for a reason like taylor trammell doesn't get traded if the reds believe in him reaching 
his ceiling. And that's the, the same goes for the the pitchers that the the Astros traded to Arizona. Uh, I think the same probably goes for Jazz Chisholm. I think if Arizona fully believed in his ceiling, they probably don't make that trade. So, I mean, these guys that get traded and, and everyone's up in arms on Twitter, I mean, the, the team that traded them, I, I don't want to appeal to authority necessarily, but I'm going to do it anyway. The the team that traded them knows more about that player than you do uh, on Twitter. So, but also, but also, like you were talking about with Reyes being a spare piece. I mean, Nick Ahmed is not a, an all all world player, okay? But he's a great glove and he's hitting the ball. And you know, maybe they they're like, hey, we got a guy here. We we don't need we don't need to wait on. Chisholm and and the ability to have Zach Gallen added to that rotation, you lose Granky and you add a crafty guy like Gallen. I don't know. There's something appropriate about it, you know. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Um, it's officially July, which means football season is around the corner, and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment, no waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focused on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage those teams all season. You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. See, man, you right. killed it. What are you talking about? You killed <laughs> it. There you go. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of pressure to do a, a read in front of a professional actor. Well, as a, uh, I'll give you my honest assessment. That was excellent. It was excellent. I, I want to make one last point before we move on and just on one trade. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that Nick Castellanos would have been stuck on the Tigers because <laughs> I just thought to myself, I was like, you, you know, I've been following Castellanos since before he started wearing batting gloves, right? And he was coming up with a great hit tool and everything else, going to be a superstar third baseman. And then he gets to the spot where he's at, and it's a tough situation, no doubt. And he kind of quit playing. To say quit playing may be an overstatement, but he wasn't being a very good teammate. He was like, let me out of here, get me out of here. So for him to go to the Cubs, I don't know, man. That's just a piece of me that's like, that's just a little too good for you, Castellanos. Well, I think it's I think it's funny that the Cubs now have Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos on the same National League roster. <laughs> that's uh, right. Castellanos might be the worst defensive outfielder I've seen other than maybe Jose Martinez. Wait, 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 that's our boy. Even though we <laughs> traded him, he still always will be our boy. Um, I have to disagree <laughs> with you on Castellanos being the worst fielding outfielder because there was a play the other day where a left fielder should have thrown a guy out at home by like 10 feet and he, he did not get him because the throw was like well up the line and that guy's name was Kyle Schwarber. So let's just, nice. no, let's just, <laughs> let's just, you know what I'm saying? So let's just say I, Jason I, Hayward's going to Albert Elmore are going to be covering a lot of ground out there. 
I really look forward to hopefully another game 163 of my Brewers playing the Cubs for the National League Central and hopefully having both those guys no way. in the outfield. There's the no way. Time. I don't think you can. I mean, really, I don't, I don't think you can. <laughs> Ask Jason Hayward to cover 70% of the outfield. Yeah, that's right. That's this the, might be the only way you could pull that over or just have Baez like play short center like he's playing in a softball league and he's like, hey, I'll cover short center and, you know, let's four outfielders. Yeah, no, I I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm a little down on Castellanos. I am interested to see what Scooter Jeanette does with the Giants. That's interesting. And, uh, and well, well, let's get to the, the, the trade that you actually said you wanted to talk about actually didn't even happen today. Right. And that was Marcus Stroman uh, getting traded to the Mets yeah. for lefty pitching prospect Anthony Kay and right-handed pitching prospect Simeon Woods Richardson. What was your take on well, that? Well, my take on that immediately was, damn, that's a good trade for the Mets. I mean, that makes an awful lot of sense to me. You know, looking at it just just in terms of pure value, I happen to like Stroman a lot. I know he's a ground ball pitcher. The Mets' defense, infield defense is is far from perfection, but I love Stroman. I really do. I think he he pitches with so much energy and passion. He he he's really good. And to add that to the team, at first, what I thought they were doing was they get Stroman, and then they're trying to corner the market, right? And they're trying to say, hey, if you want pitching, you got to come through us. But now it looks like what they're going to do is you know they've 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 been playing well lately. And they're going to say, hey, let's go for it now. Um, and maybe, see, I say just sign Zach Wheeler. Like, just build upon your strength in the offseason. Let's say they don't make the wild card. They don't get that far. If they do get to the wild card, then they got Jacob Grom pitching in the wild card game. So, like, you know, that, that, that that's a good place to be coming from. And then in the playoffs with that pitching, anything can happen. So I, I really, and you, I'm going to ask you about what you think of those two pitchers. I don't think that you hold them in the highest of regard. You know, K is, is, is fine. The other is... is has a lot of upside, but it was 18, 19 years old. And so what do you think? What did you think of that deal? Well, I, I thought it was maybe the best trade of the entire deadline, just on paper uh, for one team, the team that got Marcus Stroman. Yeah, I think that um, to me, like I do that trade all day long. Like I, I don't even think about it. And, you know, part of my criticism of, the Mets and just like making fun of them and and stuff on Twitter or whatever is that I think that they you know the Wilpons are, are kind of a joke and I think they went in the wrong direction with getting a general manager who was going to continue to try to you know force this team into into competing when I think that the right move was to just tear it down and build around uh, Pete Alonso but given that Brody has gone down this path I I don't necessarily blame him for not wanting to backtrack because i mean he, he's a dead man walking if he gives up on this plan to compete and he's a dead man walking if it doesn't work in the next two to three years but he's at least giving himself a chance with a trade like this and yeah i mean anthony k fine maybe he's a number four starter for mm-hmm. you but maybe and there's a chance he's not even that or not even close to that uh simeon woods richardson that's a piece that, yeah, there's like a 15% chance that you look back and you really regret trading him. Yeah, but that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, it, and Stroman is going to come in and he's going to pitch and he's going to, you know, it is his hometown. I, I know he wanted to go to the Yankees, but he, I think he has a better shot in the National League. I think him not having to face the designated hitter is going to be an advantage. Him not going to Yankee Stadium is an advantage. Um, I, I just think for, for Mets fans, I think it's, it's just so hard to be a Mets fan. 
right? So my buddy, um, Alex Cushing, who's a just giant Met fan, he's just like doing it again, ruining us, just killing our future. And I'm like, yeah, but you just got, a, you now have a rotation with DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Stroman, and Mats right now for the next two months. Anything can happen. And they've had, a, you know, they've had some bad luck in terms of injuries this year uh, on both the pitching and the hitting side. And and if, you know, if everything broke right for them next Conforto's year. Conforto's heating up too. Conforto's heating yeah. up now. McNeil has yep. been has been a beast. Alonzo slowed down, but he still, you know, he still has has the ability to be a game changer. I don't know. I, I Cano is Cano is gonna warm himself up. Anything can happen. I I, I really I, I really don't dislike this trade nearly as much as Mets fans do. Yeah, I, I think there's a tendency, especially on Twitter, for everyone to sort of uh Oh, I know that prospect. I've heard of that prospect. They shouldn't have traded that prospect. I, I feel like you you kind of know the trades that were just terrible the day they happened, uh, whether it be like the Glaber Torres one or the the Chris Archer one. Oof. I mean, the there's people that will say that like the the Red Sox gave away too much in the Chris Sale trade because all these guys are, are starting to like reach the big leagues and Jan Mankata is breaking out and everything. But I, that's a trade that Dave Dombrowski does every single day because he got Chris Sale and they, they won a world series. Yeah. And Marcus Stroman's um, not a top 20 pitcher, but he's a top 40 pitcher. And to add a yeah. top 40 pitcher to a rotation like this, come on now on another team. I'd say he's a top 30 pitcher. I, I think he's, when he's at his best, he's, he's definitely a top 30. Yeah, pitcher so, for me. I mean, I, I, I just, it, Anthony K is never going to be a top 30 pitcher. No. I can promise you that. No. So there it is. Uh, the other move, so this is a sort of a sneaky one that I, the, so Shane Green gets traded to the Braves. Yep. I think he's probably going to be their closer. And the, the Tigers get uh, Joey Wentz, left-handed pitcher, and Travis Demerit. And the the sneaky aspect to this one to me is Demerit, who uh, Clay and I talked about last week as a guy that I thought might be on the move just because he was fully blocked in Atlanta. And this is one of those trades where it it really boosts a guy's dynasty league stock because Demerit now really has nobody in his way. Uh, I think he's going to get a look uh, probably at some point in the next few weeks in in left or right field for the Tigers, and uh, he was really you know having a breakout year. I know he's twenty four; he's at AAA with the juiced ball, but. Uh, there's always going to be strikeouts there, but there's there's big power there. I think he's really improved a lot in terms of uh, the type of contact he's making. So it's it's a big win for Shane Green's owners that he probably sticks in a closer role on an even better team. Uh, but I also think it's a a time to give Demerit a look, especially in deeper dynasty leagues. I'm not sure I'm I'm adding him just yet, maybe in in a TDGX or RDI size format, but. Uh, this one, it really sort of is going to impact where I have a guy ranked in Demerit. Yeah, because the opportunity is there. Is he is he available in RDI? I think he's available pretty much everywhere, mm-hmm. every league that I play. See, that, that's um, one of the tricks that I like to use, though, in, in, in all Dynasty Leagues, and it really does help. When you have guys who are in AAA, AA, and who do finally get the call up, like I try to grab as many of those guys in my, let's say there's 20 minor league spots. I try to use at least three or four of those guys and put those into that spot. So a guy that you and I, the guy that you turned me on to about a week before everyone else was, um, was on to him was Brian Reynolds. And you were like, yeah, he's hitting in AAA and he's going to come up and he's going to hit when he gets up there. So, you know, you get yourself Brian Reynolds everywhere. And then we ended up flipping him, I guess about six weeks later, was it maybe, maybe 
yeah, about six weeks later, we ended up flipping him in a package for Felipe Vasquez, who did not get moved, thankfully. Hey, that's a big win. That is a big win for us. And Alex Colome also did not get moved. So, like, all of our concerns, like, if if Felipe Vasquez got moved, that would have that would have hurt Uh, because we we put we we paid for him a little bit, and uh, and so him staying home, that's there's some great value there. Props, props to the Pirates for not getting uh, <laughs> completely destroyed oh, yeah. in another trade and, and really holding firm on what they were asking for. for <laughs> Do you remember last year when when the trade happened? Because full disclosure, James James and I are were we drafted Tyler Glass now last year in RDI and we got him in a twenty team league. I think we got him in the thirtieth round. Is that right? Something, Something like, like that. that yeah. It was like 25th and maybe it was a little earlier, like 23rd round. And we just grabbed him. We're like, we both love the arm. We love, you know, he's a reliever in the pirates. He's a long reliever, whatever. And we held him and we held him. We held him and held him and held him and held him. Even when he was struggling, it was like, what are we going to do? We're going to keep him. And then when he got moved in that Chris Archer deal, which will go down as one of the worst trades yes. of the last 20 years, for sure. Um, when, when glass now moved over, all of a sudden, he became Tyler Glass now, and you know he got away from Surge and, and became King Tyler. Of course, this year has been more of a struggle, but that trade, the Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now, Shane Baz trade for Chris Archer. I mean, you could almost argue that you would take any you, that you would definitely take Meadows. You would definitely take Glass now straight up for Archer in a minute, and you could almost argue that you would just <laughs> do Shane Baz for Archer at this point. He's been such a disaster. Yes. Uh, I, I love talking about, um, when I'm out, when I'm out with my buddies who are also Brewers fans, we love just reminiscing about, uh, national league central trades that have just been complete, uh, you know, tire fires. And the, the other one that comes to mind that I think can maybe challenge that trade in terms of the worst trade of the past 20 years is the, uh, original Araldus Chapman trade where the red sent him to the oh, Yankees, yeah. uh, for, for, Literally nothing. I mean, just nothing of of big league value at all. And then and then the Yankees turn him into Glaber. Except, Torres. see, now the, the you know you got to go back and forth on that trade on the Glaber Torres for a Rollis Chapman trade because we can call it a terrible trade, but it also helped end the you know the the oh, dogs going crazy. It really helped end the the curse. So it, it's kind of. I, kinda, I think if you asked. I think if you ask Theo Epstein if he does that trade, I think he he probably says he says yes, probably with just a really rough look on his face of like, <laughs> yeah, it it really really hurts to not have Glaber, but we needed that. that and it made him it turned him into a Hall of Fame general manager. The only problem with Theo Epstein is really good at winning the first one, but it's really tough to keep it together. And that team is just, I don't I don't get it. That team, uh, I, I just don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, heading up another front office um, in the next three or four years. Yeah, me either. I mean, going to, I don't know, Baltimore or something, going to some place where he can just create everything again. He's like a a guy who really knows how to, you know, end end the problems, but doesn't know how to sustain the team. Uh, But I also wouldn't be surprised if Joe Madden, if this is his last season and you see Joe Girardi in there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I would like that. I, I think Joe Madden has... I've never done a 180. I, I've never really cared about most managers, but I've never done a 180 on on how much I respected a manager uh, as quickly as I did uh, Joe Madden over the past. Like, what was the thing that that tipped it the other way for you? Because I remember when he was in Tampa, he was beyond reproach, really. So, what right. was it? 
he's just he's just become this uh, this really 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 grouchy uh, curmudgeony old guy who is is always just arguing with the umps yeah. about every little thing uh, that goes against his team. And totally, you're right about that. It's true. It's true. It's like an actor who's I, become who used to be like a you know working man's actor and then becomes a big star and then becomes just a dick. That's kind of what Joe Madden is. It's like now you know you. Speaking of speaking of managers who are kind of D's, what is up with David Bell, man? What is he nuts? <laughs> I mean, we talked about it first. Well, is he nuts? He's coming out of the club. He gets thrown out every six games. He's out, he's thrown out. Like what are you what are you what are you doing, dude? And then he comes out and he starts a fight with Clint Hurdle. I mean, I, I like Clint Hurdle. I hope Clint Hurdle kicks his well, arrogant ass. There's this, there's this whole thing where everyone, I think everyone really kind of is sick of the way the Pirates pitch in, and the Reds seem to have gotten just the worst, uh, <laughs> you know, the the most amount of those, you know, kind of high and tight pitches that have that have hit a guy or, or potentially injured a guy, and I think they, I think there's just there's just a lot of blood, but bad blood there because they're sick of the pirates approach. My my argument with David Bell has more to do with his, um, the way he deals with his umpires, man. Like that has an effect. You think it doesn't, but it does. Like if the umpires don't like, if you look back to Aaron Boone, what you, you saw, did you, did you ever watch, did you see? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when he's like, they're, they're, these guys are, these guys are, and and what he does is he's like, you could see that the umpire likes Boone a lot. Right. And the umpire's like, you just touched me. I'm sorry you did that. Because the way that Boone like went at him was, you're not doing your job really well. I feel bad for you. That was my favorite part of it. I feel bad for you, but you got to tighten it up, tighten it up, tighten it up, right? Well, all right. So when that guy starts calling for pitches from the dugout, the next time the umpire is there and he's been treated with a certain amount of respect along the way, you know, he's going to hear that and he's going to, he's going to give the edge. That little edge matters so much in baseball. And, you know, the days of Earl Weaver and Billy Martin yelling at umpires and throwing their hats in their faces, like this is a game of people, you know, and, and people have feelings and you got to be respectful of those feelings. I mean, some people are like, oh, come on. But I'm just saying that like those things do matter over the course of a game, which way a pitch is going to go. I was a little league coach and the umpire liked me a lot. And at one point he was, I felt like the, <laughs> one of my pitchers was getting squeezed. I was like, Josh, come on, I need that pitch. And so the next time there was a pitch, it was kind of close. I got the call. Obviously, they're the smallest possible little league scale, but the same thing happens in baseball. And I just think that David Bell's a, I don't know, man, watching him go out there and and trying to tackle Clint Hurdle. Come on, man. I mean, it's embarrassing. You don't want to. You don't want to end up on the ground as a, as a manager. Right. I mean, it, it reminded me of Jeff Van Gundy back in like the '94 uh, playoffs appearance. Um, I mean, pick your spots, uh, carry some credibility as a manager. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. Not every single pitch needs your your verdict on whether it was a ball. Or yeah, straight. let it go, man. I mean, that's why AJ Hinch to me is is just superb. That guy, because the team is going to take on the energy of your of your of your manager, and that guy is just a meditative, chill guy who you know it really it really does make a difference. All right, the future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Super Drafts exclusive game mode multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA 
so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Dra- uh, SuperDraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in SuperCash and free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download the app. St- download in the App Store or play at SuperDraft.io. SuperDraft, no limits, more winning. Um, you you mentioned Scooter Jeanette in passing. Was there anything else you wanted to to touch on with that move? Uh, the Giants basically just give the the Reds some cash. I think for for Scooter I think Jeanette. it's a solid deal for for San Francisco. I I, I wonder how he's going to do in that ballpark and how many home runs go away. Um, but you know, it, it does clear up a middle infield. I, you almost wish that Gannett could have come, Jeanette could have come back and, and succeeded a bit more. So they could have gotten a bit more for him. I'm also surprised that the Reds didn't trade Iglesias. I, I really was kind of hoping they would because of my Michael Lorenzen, uh, sh- shares all over the place, but it just didn't happen. So what's, are you, uh, are you a Josh Van Meter guy? Because it seems like he's going to definitely get a decent amount of playing time. Yeah, there. yeah, and, I think uh, so. Um, and I, I also another guy you know I like is Phil Irvin. Um, and oh yeah, I've been I've been tweet, tweet, blowing the horn on on Phil Irvin for a, for a little while now. I mean, he was a former top fifty prospect in baseball. He's got a power speed combination. He's going to steal you bases. He's going to hit home runs. And if he gets some time, I think he'll do well. So I, I'm I'm really happy with. That. I was. I was texting Clay a little bit last night because I had to get his take on that that trade. And uh, like one of the first things he said was just, "I'm I'm happy Phil Irvin's going to get a a nice long yeah. look here." Yeah, so, me too. Uh, I I think that 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 was a big part. We didn't even touch on that the Yasiel Puig aspect of that trade, but I mean, I think that I think you could very credibly argue that just taking Yasiel Puig off this roster does not cost the Reds a single win over the rest of the season, uh, just based on. Uh, the players behind him on that depth chart. So I've got a blind spot on Puig. I, I'm just not a fan. I've never been a fan. It goes back to like the very first time I saw a video of him taking batting practice and I watching him, you know, spin his bat like a baton and thinking to myself, I think you, you I don't know if I want you, man. I don't, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't draft him back then. I was like, eh, something about this guy, something about this guy. And ever since then, I've, I've always sort of avoided him. I've gotten in some good arguments with Paul Spore about it. And Paul's like, you're nuts. He's the best. I'm like, nah, to pass. <laughs> he's, he's, Paul said Paul, he's the best. Paul I mean, loves. <laughs> Are you kidding? He was like, Ian, if you speak badly about Yasiel Puig anymore, we're not having you on the show. And I'm like, I'm not on the show because it, I cannot take that dude. I, I just, I, you know, and even from a fantasy perspective, right? He's just the moment. Remember the, the Game of Thrones moment where it's the Battle of the Bastards and Jon Snow comes out with the sword and he's going to fight the whole army. Well, that's mm-hmm. what Yasiel Puig did earlier in the season against the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? Where he took on the whole team. Well, if he's going to do that every year, at least one year, he's going to break an elbow. So if you've invested a third round pick on him, you're going to lose him in a in a in a fight. So it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be uh, interesting to kind of see how that that Cleveland offense performs over the rest of the season. And I think it's you know a, a small part of this trade to me is just. Then the the Reds kind of wipe their hands of Puig, and they don't feel any obligation to sort of re engage him this right. off season. And it's it becomes somebody else's 
uh, you know, do we want to try to bring him back? Do we not want to bring him back? Um, I think that that, that was a, a small part of that as well. Yeah, there's no, there's um, no need. Although apparently he was a good soldier in, in Cincinnati. They liked him. He liked being there. So, you know, all good on that side, but I just personally, yeah, no, I think he, I think he learned kind of the, just sort of what he dealt with in Los Angeles. I think he learned that he, he's got to treat uh, people a little it's bit. It's a big thing about well. treating people a little bit better. It's kind of like a lesson all everywhere and all the time. Like, let's just treat people better. Let's be grateful. And look, he's going to Cleveland. I think that going back to the trade for just one second, I think you got Salazar coming back. You got Kluber coming back. Um, you've got Carrasco hopefully coming back. Hopefully, if he's you know healthy enough, it it just makes a tremendous amount of sense. It's addition by subtraction and losing Bauer. Um, let me be clear just because of his personality, you know, he threw the ball over the center field fence after he got taken out of a game. Punk. It's a, it's a rare, it's a it's, rare move. It's like an actor who's like, you know what? I don't like how that take went. I'm just going home. I'm just going to go home. Screw you guys. I'm screw you guys. I'm going home. You know, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> Trevor Bauer. He is Cartman from South park. Um, Really quick, rapid fire on a couple of guys before we head to uh, some key risers in your your dynasty update that's going to come to the site. In the next few um, days, for sure. In the next few days. days. I was waiting until uh, the trade deadline passed to sort of finalize things, and I've been working on them. Always fun, always challenging. I think uh, Corey Dickerson to the Phillies. I think he, he gets a little bit of a I bump. What's gonna happen uh, with, over the rest I wonder of what's going to happen with Kingery now. If that's gonna, he's been slowing down so much, and I wonder if that's going to hurt Kingery's time. Yeah, I mean, I think that center field is still kind of his. Uh, I think this probably Hazley's. means Hazley maybe heads back down until it's September bad. or something it's like that. He's, he's been doing um, well. The Brewers unloaded uh, Jesus Aguilar. I think that that is bad for his, like any hope that he was going to rebound at all, uh, even next season. I think that's out the window. Tampa Bay loves their platoons as, as much as anyone. So I think he's he's a strict uh, short side platoon I guy. Know, I think he might. There, there's, I'm going to give it a 20% chance that he unlocks something there as the designated hitter and gives us a couple of months of Jesus Aguilar. I mean, Small chance of that, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess you can't bet against uh, the Rays getting their hands on a guy. Hey, look what they're doing with Travis Darno. I mean, Travis Darno, right. <laughs> really? Yes, I think I think when they got Darno, his uh, stock was even lower than Aguilar. Yeah, stock but also there, so. one more thing about Trevor Richards. Like, who knows what happens with Trevor Richards on the Rays? Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a good point. Um, is he is he Banged up. Is he on no, the shelf he's fine. Right now? He he uh, he actually picked him up in Tout Wars for a two start week last week, um, and he came out and just like ex- exploded on impact. Uh, but he struck out like nine nine guys too. Like he gave up like six runs and tons, but he struck out nine guys. He's just an interesting pitcher, and he does go through periods where he can be really valuable. And and if the Rays put him you- into, so they threw him into the bullpen. And I didn't. I was like, "Why are the Marlins throwing in the bullpen?" It doesn't make any sense. But now I guess it makes a certain amount of sense because if they do, you think that they could use him as a yeah. primary yeah. pitcher in the kind of Yarbrough, yep. Jalen? That's what I think. That thing. I think that I think that's a really successful way to to employ pitchers to get you through the first inning, not have to face the top of that order, and then um, to to be able to just stick with the second through sixth inning. I think he could be really successful. I love that changeup. I always have. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think the Rays got better today. They, they, you know, on the margins, maybe. I mean, Nick Anderson's, he, everyone knows about him because everyone was stashing him for, for saves and stuff. But, uh, I mean, they, they added uh, legitimate big league players to the 25 man roster who are probably going to help yeah. them uh, yeah. down the Get stretch. the Red Sox out, please. Just keep the Red Sox out of the playoffs. Don't want to have nothing to do with them. Uh, two quick prospects I want to touch on. Uh, Nico Holsizer was traded to the Rays from the Dodgers. He's uh, just got a ton of power, but he's pretty old. He's he's at high A right now. He's a top 400 guy, but um, you know, kind of a fringe top 400 guy. And then Jameson Hanna uh, traded to the Reds from the A's in the Tanner Roark deal. Uh, he's another you know borderline top 400 guy. Hasn't really hit for any power. So it's it's speed and it's contact, but um, probably more before. Isn't that tenor work? Isn't that tenor work trade just so obviously the A's? Like they, oh, oh just, I mean, I, I was. It's surprising that he wasn't it's surprising already. Surprising that he yeah. hadn't already been traded for to the A's because that's that's the guy they get. They they always get that guy. I'm surprised they didn't take Mike Leak. <laughs> give me work. Give me Leak. Give me that guy. Give me Leak. Or there's Mike Josh Fires, just can we get, uh, can, can we get Tomlin <laughs> over here? Let's get Tomlin over here. It's the same guy they get every year. But but now wait, Sean Mania is coming back. And I've thought about this because I'm gonna I would do a little inside baseball with me and you. We were in the draft last year, and I was pushing us to get to take Sean Mania, right? And you were like, Ian, shoulders, shoulders are dangerous. And I'm like, dude, I love Manaya. And you're like, yeah, it's just not going to work. And we didn't take Manaya. And here's the good news. Had we taken Manaya, we would have taken him in the fourth round, right? And then we agreed we would take him in the fifth. But then Justin Mason came in and snuck him in the fifth. And I texted you just heartbreak, heartbroken. Here's the reality as I thought about this last night because his last start was really good, right? There's no way with our roster situation that we've had with all the injuries that we've had that we would not have dropped Sean Manaya at some point this season. It's just impossible because there's only three DL spots. There's very little room on rosters. But Sean Manaya is coming back and I think he's going to be I, I think he's going to be really valuable for the last uh, two week two two months. I think people should start picking him up now. Would you drop uh Blake Snell for Sean Manaya and uh redraft? Maybe I mean, I mean, uh, no, no, I would not do that. Give me somebody else. But I, I, how about who? Who do you like more out of Shamanaya and Danny Salazar? Well, another guy who I really like, who I'm excited to see what happens to. What is it tomorrow? He goes on the mound tomorrow. Um, I kind of like Salazar. I think Salazar be really. Yeah, I, I'm kind of bummed that I, I had some small bids out there on Salazar and some uh, NFBC leagues this past weekend and just got guys that I had ahead of him. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed yeah. about, well, it'll like, depend on how he does tomorrow. But I mean, if Salazar comes out and strikes out, you know, pitches five innings and strikes out eight guys, he's going to be expensive on Sunday for sure. But, but I think Manaya won't be expensive yet. I think Manaya is a, is a quick and easy buy for a couple of bucks. Yeah. I mean, the, the Indians just really, increased their ceiling with these moves because there's there's a lot that can go wrong when you're sort of banking on some combination of Salazar, Kluber, maybe Carrasco helping you down the stretch. But if they get like even just two of those three guys to to help them, then all of a sudden they they have an offense that can stack yes, up. Yes, they do I mean, now. And if Shane Bieber, you know, I just keep thinking back to the wild card game. I'm telling you, Mike Clevenger, man, Clevenger is a beast. He's 
good. Oh, yeah. And I just keep thinking about in the wild card game, who's going to pitch? And if you get through the wild card game, anything can happen, you know? And, and with that rotation, if I, I have a feeling Reyes is going to find some success. You know, both of us love Mercado. We have our own, you and I have a relationship with Oscar Mercado. Um, but he's a great center fielder for that team. I don't know, man. Indians made themselves better and with Jose Ramirez returning to form somewhat. Um, it's, it's anything can happen. Yeah, they are a, a legitimate uh, contender, I think, again now, uh, after today. Um, fantasydraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of, play, of paying high fees to play daily fantasy? Did you know that over three or over time, these fees called Rake can cost daily fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As daily fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests Rake free on fantasy draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on fantasy draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at fantasydraft.com today to take part in rake free in the rake free revolution. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven day trial. All right, I think I'm I'm gonna give myself like a, a third. I'm gonna give you something. No, read. that's crap. And- Come on, man. It was one section where you were going into the no rake, and I was like, oh man, there's really no rake? Like no rake at all? I was like, I never quite heard it. That guy. Listen, I'm not gonna get on clay about it. Clay, clay, I, I used to do a clay lake clay link impression, but I, I got a feeling that clay didn't like it so much. So so I've kind of gone down on it. But he, you know, he he does awesome reads. Jeff does awesome reads. You you're you're replacement level, but you're strong. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, be good enough to to not get yelled at, but bad enough that they don't ask me to do any more reads. You're doing great. All right. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's talk about your your update, your impending update to the top 400 dynasty rankings. Which I'm grateful to you. I've never had a chance to say this on air. I'm grateful to you for bringing me on board to do them. And uh, oh, I mean, we're just lucky to have you, man. I mean that that's. It's a big job doing those. I I know I, I used to do it, and you are doing a great job and really adding a a nice sort of a, a different voice to the site. I think it's, it's fun it's for me, great. man. And I'm always uh, just grateful to be on your team with Clay and Todd and 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 the rest of the team. So uh, the first, you, you sent me some names um, of guys that I, I assume these are all guys that are moving up. Yeah. Um, the first one is one that I am in lockstep with you on, and that's Garrett yeah. Cole moving up to 18th overall. And I assume that makes yeah. him number one pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I have zero uh, arguments about this. I, I think to me, Garrett Cole, I mean, I think there was a case that he was the number one pitcher coming into the season. I mean, there, and he, I think he was, he was right there in, in that conversation, but the struggles in April and May, they were legitimate enough to drop him down. I think third for for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he's, you know, he's a, he's, you were banging the drum loudly for Garrett Cole in this offseason. And I remember when I got to, you took him in TGFBI at 16, right? You took him at the wheel at 16. And I took him at 23 in TGFBI. And, uh, and he's now really coming through. I mean, you know, he's the, he, every, every bit of pedigree you could ever ask for with a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, he's just an absolute, horse uh, an ace at the peak of his powers like we're watching prime Garrett Cole I think it, it started obviously last year I think we're gonna get another handful of years of him pitching at this level and you you look at all the greats like you know Kershaw Scherzer Verlander mm-hmm. like they all had that that sort of six-year or seven-year run where they were just on, on top of their game. And I think the, the hope with Cole is you're getting another, you know, four That's or five years. The question is what that contract is going to look like next year. I mean, what is that going to look oh, like? Man. It's got to be a $35 million a year contract if he keeps this up. Well, he's he, – I, I honestly think there might be more teams in on Cole than on there Georgia. were in on guys like Bryce Harper and, and yeah. Manny Machado. Because every single team in baseball needs a Garrett Cole, and not every single team needs you know a shortstop. And, or, or Bryce, or and, and not every, you know what? I mean, I'm looking at my my dynasty rankings right here, right now. I'm looking at Bryce Harper at 15, and I'm just like, you know what? You're going down, man. You're going lower. He's going lower. <laughs> I just, I look, we've talked about this off air. I would tell you, you would say you want him to go to the Yankees. And I'm like, I don't want him anywhere near the Yankees. Uh, he's going to struggle his first year. He's going to piss people off. He's going to be a, he's going to be a baby. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a time where Bryce Harper is going to be the Bryce Harper that we all dream about. But Garrett Cole, yes, I, I think he's, he, he's going to be, boy, is that going to be a free agent signing to watch? Now the next guy, uh, Another pitcher, Walker Bueller. You uh, are going to slot him around. around he might go down overall. a little bit. He might go down a little bit. But right now, I have him as the number two pitcher. Now, I don't have that big of an issue with him being the number two pitcher. I'm not necessarily even sure who I would put there. But twenty, I, I think you should bump yeah. him down a little bit because to to me, like the the last hurdle that you need to clear. Uh, to become just one of those uh, absolute top flight dynasty league pitchers is you need to have a, a track record of logging over 200. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I think the thing that's, that just keeps me engaged with him at this level is his age, his lack of mileage on his arm, uh, his relative, mm-hmm. his health and his command. I mean, he's got 20 and you know, he's still, a rookie mm-hmm. and he's got 20 walks in 122 innings with 137 strikeouts and- yeah and he uh i think an important thing to note on him and and it helps out his his command is that he's very uh north south with where he's locating and you get a lot more calls uh just above the zone and just below the zone than you do uh, east west like the the pitchers that have those just big sweeping uh sliders and stuff like that and like to work uh on the outer edges like you're you're not going to get the, the same amount of calls as you do when you're working sort of north south the way that bueller does so uh i don't really see that going anywhere and i think 
I mean, the, the whip, the, the upside for him to maybe be one of those guys that has like a season where the whip is like around point yeah, nine. That's what I see. Like that. I mean, I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what I see coming. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on it, but I, I do have him bumped up to, I, I think he holds that number two spot in the pitching. Um, and it, you know, as we can tell with Garrett Cole at 18 is my number one. You, I, obviously I'm going bat, 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 bat. I mean, bats are where, you know, you base your team around, mm-hmm. but when you get into dynasty leagues and it, it gets down to the top two teams. It really does end up coming down to whip and ERA so often. You know, if you have two monster teams that are going at it, the pitching tends to win. Um, is dangerous, but it's uh, getting a young guy like that, young Garrett Cole, young Walker Bueller. I will move him down a little bit, but not too, too much. How, like, I, I'm not saying I'm, I definitely prefer Walker Bueller to, Bueller to this guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not suggesting that they should be back to back or anything, but like how big of a gap is there for you between like Walker Bueller and Chris Paddock for dynasty? Well, there's a a bit of a difference, Uh, but who knows where that'll be again? Like, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still in process of doing it right now, Uh, but I take Bueller over Paddock. I like Paddock, Uh, but he's also, he's, he's a little crazy. Uh, he's a little bit crazy, that guy. Uh, he also can struggle a little bit more, but but they're both great. I mean, where do you have them? Well, I was just, I was off the top of my head, I was trying to think of like the next best young pitchers. Uh, I mean, I think yes, you know, Mike Clevenger. I mean, it, it really sucks that Blake Snell's season has just been a complete, uh, you know, it's a lost season basically, but a, a healthy Blake Snell mm-hmm. I would have in that mix. I mean, um, you know, same thing with Luis Severino. I mean, just I don't put Severino in that season, same conversation. But, but no, you would have before the season. You would have watched Severino hurt, a little probably. bit too much, and uh, he he's great, but uh, not to that level. I, I've never had him that high. I like Jose Barrios okay. quite a bit. I, I like um, Aaron Nola a mm-hmm. lot still. You know, it, it, you see Nola struggling as much as he was early in the season, and then you see those. You know, he had like four or five awesome starts, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's the guy that I traded for in the offseason. And you just look at him and you go, you're going you're gonna to grow. You're going to continue to grow. You may not have seasons like you did in 2018, but you're going to have a baseline of just real success. So the first position player you sent me, uh, Raphael yeah. Devers, uh, and, you know, there's I, I love just watching Twitter and everyone – like everyone wants to be like Devers was the guy that they were on first or like they've been waiting for this. And like you, if you think Devers is cool now, like you, you weren't there back when they first discovered Raphael Devers and stuff. So I think it's been funny to sort of watch this uh, breakout season unfold. And he's really become the absolute best version of the prospect that we sort of the upside that everyone was dreaming on where they were rostering him. And I was honestly surprised that you had him at 30. I was surprised that maybe he wasn't a bit, yeah, a bit higher. Uh, you know what? He, he may, he's just still 22 years old. I, I think there's a piece of me. I, I bought into Devers at one point. I got him in a deal for Chris Bryant and I got like, it was like Devers and like four other prospects. Um, in, a, in, in an odd, interesting trade, and then I ended up moving him. Um, but you can't argue with his success. I mean, he's and again, he's always he's always had a little swing and miss. Last year, thirty eight walks with one hundred and twenty one strikeouts. This year, thirty four walks with seventy two strikeouts. And the thing that I'm admiring so much is, is his average is ridiculous three thirty two. He's hitting for power, slugging five eighty one. But he's also running. He's getting caught 
quite a bit, but he's still running. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's just one of those guys who, uh, you know, back at at high A, I, I always cite the 18 steal year from Rafael Devers uh, at high A as like this is why minor league stolen base totals don't matter that God. much, but. Uh, maybe it, it was giving us a little bit of a hint that maybe he was going to be a guy where if he was on base as much as he's been this year, that he, that he could flirt with double yeah, digits. He's already almost there seals. and he, he's in a great lineup. I mean, he's really, he's just a, a remarkable, he's, he's coming through. I mean, he's turning into the Devers that everyone, that apparently everyone knew was coming. Um, so there it is. Now, a guy who is near and dear to my heart and a guy that we drafted in uh, the road. Drafted him. We traded him. We traded back for him. And then we traded him. We, we have the, we have the honor of having traded, uh, Jordan Alvarez in the last twice in, in, within, in within one season. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, this is a guy that I've, I've obviously been high on for for a long time, uh, but even I like this is this is sort of beyond uh, what anyone could have been expecting from him in in year one in the big leagues. You have him. Uh, what is it about six spots lower than, than Devers? It, I mean, it, it's that's a dangerous that's dangerous because he's also he hasn't been through it yet. I mean, you know he, but but I mean, how can you argue with it? I mean, he's been it's it's like what we see another guy that you and I have had and this is one guy we have never traded we drafted uh Bo Bichette in the sixth round and even when we were competing for a championship last year with Ryan Bloomfield which we ended up losing 165 to 163 we lost by two points last year um we never traded Bichette we you would never let us trade Bichette um and you see what Bichette is doing coming up right now and Jordan Alvarez doing the same I mean you know yeah it's fabulous. It's fun. I mean, it's just he had his first home run today, man. You and I have been waiting on this guy. We have had how many trade offers have we had for Bobachet? Like turned out. I everything. mean, it, just from just from Tom Trudeau alone, we've probably had thirty. <laughs> and or Justin 40, Mason, there so. was that one time where he sent me he sent me Michael Chavis when Chavis was going nuts for Bobachet, and I was like, oh come on, man, and I pressed reject. I was like, come on, come Get on. Get out of here. And I, it, but instead of hitting reject, I hit approve by accident. And it, in this league, it just goes directly through. And I'm like sending, con- I'm like texting Justin. I'm like, this is not, no, that was not what I wanted. He was like, wow, I was really shocked that that worked. I didn't think that, that would work. <laughs> and then we have to like send emails to the whole league. That is not, that is not what happens. It's one of the. So even even he knew that he was shocked by it. So why was the why was the first uh, offer? Well, so yeah, he was Justin. like he was uh, like, come on, man, give me give me the shit. Your guys are going for it, and I'm rebuilding stuff. Yeah, we're going for well, it. At the so time, don't forget, at the time, Chavis. Um, this is when Chavis first came up, and he hit like 19 home runs in like two weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously he didn't, but it was it was you know sort of that that remarkable. I mean, it was a good move. It was a good move by Mason to be looking to to cash him out. But, but this is point. the fun of Dynasty League, um, right? And if people are listening to this podcast, the Prospect Podcast, you already know this. But when you get a guy who you draft either in a first-year player draft or in a startup league, which is what J- James and I did, and you can hold him and hold him and hold him and then wait till he finally comes up and then he comes up and then he performs, it's really kind of fantasy thrilling. That's it really is. Funny. It is. Uh, I hope that that happens with Bo Bichette. It's a, it's a shame that we didn't get to experience that with, uh, I mean, we've traded yeah. away some 
some pretty awesome yeah, but prospects. Also, but that uh, was also, I mean, that was the podcast that you and I are still planning to do at some point where we went from absolute worst to second last year, where we just drafted, like Tom Trudeau would have done, we just drafted prospects all the way through pretty much and then flipped those prospects for play, for win now players. And we built quite a, you know, we built quite a, quite a team. So we're, uh, we're still in it and going for it this year and we'll see what happens. Well, I, we got to we got to wrap things up pretty quickly but do you want to just hit on a, a couple more of these guys really quick that that you I wanted to, to touch on Max, that are, that I'm are curious what you think of my Max Kepler at 72 I just I made comments on all of these and my comment on uh, Max Kepler is just fair. The it's idea fair, fair and Jason Collette is is dancing in the streets. He's blowing. He's you know he's doing all this stuff that because Kepler you know Collette and I have have had our Max Kepler love for years now, for years since he first came up, and uh, and you and I have held Kepler this whole time. We drafted Kepler and we held him. Um, and we're really bearing the, getting the benefit of it now. Cause he's, I mean, he's just, he's hitting lefties. You know, there was that whole question. Is he going to hit, he's not going to hit lefties. Mm-hmm. He turns around every time I see a highlight of him hitting a home run, it's off a lefty. Now I think this is going to be a guy, I think with Kepler next year, I think that if you buy that, this is the new normal for him, then you'll basically end up with him everywhere because I think there's going to be this temptation among the redraft community to kind of say, okay, yeah, well that might end up being a career year for him. So let's regress this. Let's regress that. Like, do you think that this 2019 version of Kepler is what we should expect in 2020 and 2021? Is there expecting uh, this version of Kepler since 2017? So um, obviously not this level. I didn't know that he was going to, I think the jump, I was expecting more of a progression to get to this spot, but it's his swing, man. I mean, it's the way he plays the game. He's just a really good baseball player. And, um, I think, uh, is he a fifth round pick in a 15 in NFBC next year? Is he a fifth round pick? Yeah. Maybe sixth, but yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think you could. Probably get he him in the sixth, and, some and of those, for him uh, to be your number two outfielder going into the season. Look, he's gonna. I mean, he's on track. Hold on, let's just take a quick look here on what he's on pace for. Um, he's on pace. He's got twenty eight right now, and he's on pace. So I guess he's on pace for forty home runs. He's on pace for forty three home runs. He's on. This is what he's on pace for. He's on pace for forty three home runs. <laughs> 105 runs, 112 RBI with a 261 average. What is that worth? Is that a is that a sixth round value for 40? If you got 43 home runs with a 260 average, what is that worth? Has he sort of become like pre 2019 George Springer? Without the that, like, except he just gets he caught stealing like, all the time. I mean, that is the worst <laughs> stolen base percentage in the major leagues right there. It's got to be. He has. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, sit the or, next or, or, or just like, you know, send out a, a message to everybody. I should never steal another base. And then after he does that, maybe you can sneak one. Um, but he's got one stolen base. He's got one and he's got five caught stealings. That's really bad. <laughs> maybe you should stay close. But 43 home runs and 112 RBI with 105 runs with a 261 average, that's a that's that's a that's a sixth round pick that that can be very successful. I I think people, if he continues this pace, and I expect that he will, um, he'll, he'll sixth round may be a bargain next year. 
I will be able to get on board with that. Um, well, I, Ian, I want to want to say thank you so much for for pinching for man. Clay. Uh, this was this was a blast. I I know that we will be able to do it again in the future. Uh, I got to convince uh, Clay to <laughs> you know take a break more often. Maybe maybe ignore the, yeah, maybe the he can just Champions not, League. Maybe he can roster focus on his Tower's team just for a couple of couple of weeks. Don't don't focus on that. <laughs> There's no need to pick up the next guy. Just leave it on leave it on Clay. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for the RotoWire Prospect Podcast brought to you by Yahoo DFS for Ian Kahn. I am James Anderson, and I hope you yeah. join us again next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.